lightning, too. Get your notebook, please, and take this down. Rough draft. I'm going to polish it up until it has teeth and claws in every line. And that evening, after supper, he informed Eunice of all the new developments. Is it still okay with you, he concluded, for me to get myself fired off this high-salaried job of mine? Certainly. Being you, how could you do anything else? Oh, how I wish I could wring their necks. That conversation went on and on, but additional details are not necessary here. Shortly after two o'clock of the following afternoon, Celeste took a call and listened shamelessly. Kennison speaking. Tug, Uncle Ralph. The cast sectioned just like we thought they would. Dead ringers for plate D. So Drake hung a red ticket on every train. Pity was right there, waiting and started to raise hell. So I chipped in, and he beat it so fast that I looked to see his coat-tail catch fire. Drake didn't quite like to call you, so I did. If Pity keeps on going at the rate he left here, he'll be in Keller's office in nothing flat. Okay, Tug, tell Drake that the shells he rejected are going to stay rejected. And to come in right now with his report, would you like to come along? Would I? Tugwell hung up. And? But do you want him here, Doc? Celeste asked anxiously without considering whether or not her boss would approve of her eavesdropping. I certainly do. If I can keep Tug from blowing his top, the rest of the boys will stay in line. A few minutes later Tugwell strode in, bringing with him Drake, the chief line inspector of the Nine Line. Shortly thereafter the office door was wrenched open. Keller had come to Kennison, accompanied by the superintendent whom the Siberians referred to somewhat contemptuously as Pity. "'Damn your soul, Kennison! Come out here! I want to talk to you!' Keller roared, and doors snapped open up and down the long corridor. "'Shut up, you goddamn louse!' This from Tugwell, who, black eyes almost emitting sparks, was striding purposefully forward. I'll sock you so damned hard that pipe down, Tug, I'll handle this. Kinnison's voice was not loud, but it had then a peculiarly carrying and immensely authoritative quality. Verbally or physically, however he wants to have it. He turned to Keller, who had jumped backward into the hall to avoid the young Siberian. As for you, Keller, if you had the brains that God gave bastard geese in Ireland, you would have had this conference in private. Since you started it in public, however, I'll finish it in public. How you came to pick me for a yes-man, I'll never know. Just one more measure of your stupidity, I suppose. Those shells are perfect, Keller shouted. Tell Drake here to pass them right now. If you don't, by God, I'll— Shut up. Kinnison's voice cut. I'll do the talking. You listen. The spec says, quote, shall be free from objectionable cavitation, unquote. The line inspectors who know their stuff say that those cavitations are objectionable. So do the chemical engineers. Therefore, as far as I am concerned, they are objectionable. Those shells are rejected and they will stay rejected. That's what you think, Keller raged, but there'll be a new head of inspection who will pass them tomorrow morning. 
in that you may be half right. When you get through licking Black's boots, tell him I'm in my office. Kinnison re-entered his suite. Keller, swearing, strode away with pity. Doors clicked. I am going to quit, Uncle Ralph, law or no law, Tugwell stormed. They'll run that bunch of crap through, and then— Will you promise not to quit until they do? Kinnison asked quietly. Huh? What? Tugwell's eyes and Celeste's were pools of astonishment. Celeste, being on the inside, understood first. Oh, to keep his nose clean, I see, she exclaimed. Exactly. Those shells will not be accepted, nor any like them. On the surface, we got licked. I will get fired. You will find, however, that we won this particular battle. And if you boys stay here and hang together and keep on slugging, you can win a lot more. Maybe if we raise enough hell we can make them fire us, too, Drake suggested. I doubt it. But unless I'm wrong, you can just about write your own ticket from now on, if you play it straight. Kinnison grinned to himself at something which the young men could not see. You told me what Stoner and Black would do to us, Tugwell said intensely. What I'm afraid of is that they'll do it to you. They can't. Not a chance in the world, Kinnison assured him. You fellows are young, not established. But I'm well known enough in my own field, so that if they tried to blackball me, they just get themselves laughed at, and they know it. So beat it back to the nine, you kids, and hang red tickets on everything that doesn't cross-section up to standard. Tell the gang good-bye for me. I'll keep you posted. In less than an hour, Kinnison was called into the office of the President. He was completely at ease. Black was not. It has been decided to, uh, <clears throat> ask for your resignation, the President announced at last. Save your breath, Kinnison advised. I came down here to do a job, and the only way you can keep me from doing that job is to fire me. That was not uh, entirely unexpected. A difficulty arose, however, in deciding what reason to put on your termination papers. I can well believe that. You can put down anything you like, Kinnison shrugged, with one exception. Any implication of incompetence, and you'll have to prove it in court. Incompatibility, say? Okay. Miss Briggs, uh, incompatibility with the highest echelon of Stoner and Black Incorporated, please. Uh, you may as well wait, Dr. Kinnison. It will only take a moment. Fine. I've got a couple of things to say. First, I know as well as you do that you're between Scylla and Charybdis. Damned if you do and damned if you don't. Certainly not. Ridiculous, Black blustered. But his eyes wavered. Where did you get such a preposterous idea? What do you mean? If you ram those substandard H-E-A-T shells through, you are going to have some more prematures. Not many. The stuff is actually almost good enough. One in ten thousand, say. Perhaps one in fifty thousand. But you know damned well that you can't afford any. What my Siberians and inspectors know about you and Keller and Pity and the Nine Line would be enough. But to cap the climax, that brainless jackal of yours let the cat completely out of the bag this afternoon, and everyone in Building One was listening. One more premature would blow Entwhistle wide open. 
would start something that not all the politicians in Washington could stop. On the other hand, if you scrap those lots and go back to pouring good loads, your Mr. Stoner of New York and Washington will be very unhappy and will scream bloody murder. I'm sure, however, that you won't offer any plate D loads to ordinance in view of the temper of my boys and girls and the number of people who heard your dumb stooge give you away. You don't dare to. In fact, I told some of my people that you wouldn't, that you were a smart enough operator to keep your nose clean. You told them? Black shouted in anger and dismay. Yes, why not? The words were innocent enough, but Kinnison's expression was full of meaning. I don't want to seem trite, but you are just beginning to find out that honesty and loyalty are a hell of a hard team to beat. Get out! Take these termination papers and get out! And Dr. Ralph K. Kinnison, head high, strode out of President Black's office and out of Entwistle Ordnance Plant. End of Chapter 5